Hello, I'm Ben Harmon, the Director of Stills, a centre for photography based in Edinburgh and a registered charity. You're listening to a series of conversations with artists and photographers that we are in touch with to discuss and share their ideas during the time of the coronavirus lockdown. To learn more about Stills and to get involved or to support our work, please visit stills.org. Thanks for listening to Photography Down the Line. Hello, am I speaking to Chloe Dew Matthews? Yes, hello. Speaking. <laughs> Hi, Chloe. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, lovely to speak to you too. Thanks for sharing the time. And, and um, so, my first question that I've been asking everyone is how are you, first of all, and, and where are you, and, and um, what might I be interrupting in, kinds of, in, kind, in, in terms of any kind of routine you might have? Well, um, I'm in St. Leonard's on Sea on the south coast of Britain, and being what is it 11 o'clock now I would I would probably be with my baby who's six months old um I would be with him or I would be swimming in the sea would be kind of two options at this moment we do have quite a kind of regimented routine obviously having a little baby and that's kind of you know one of these things that supposedly is recommended for you know corona lockdown times is to have a routine but we've got an enforced one um of a different kind um but I did actually just look at my diary um, and see what I was going to be doing today, which would have been a press conference in Bologna in Italy, because I have um, I had a show opening at Mast Foundation um, this week um, with some new work. So I just sort of, yeah, have realised that's in fact what I've been missing this week, but it has been um, postponed till September. So Yeah, and have you had, have you had a lot of exhibitions and and work uh, bits of work cancelled and postponed is it, is it yeah yeah it has yeah a couple of shows and a book all have been postponed and it's a funny thing because I think at first there was a sense oh no we can keep going and it won't be long and I think that's kind of one of the concerns about this virus and the impact on everyone's lives and working lives as well you know is is this sense, oh, well, maybe it'll only last a few months and then, oh, well, maybe actually it might last a little bit longer. And so there's been this kind of sense, oh, you know, we'll only postpone the book or the, the show for a couple of months. And then you think, actually, what is going to be happening in September and in Christmas time and next year? So it is, it is a strange moment to be in, um, in terms of the limbo, because we just, yeah, we just don't know how long it will go on for. So yeah there's so much uncertainty isn't there and obviously things are, are even slightly different across across the border in England to how they are here in Scotland yeah. and yeah um I don't know perhaps we shouldn't dwell on that too much but no. um, <laughs> it's good, good to hear you're well anyway and and sea swimming I didn't realize is that is that something you've been doing since you moved to St Leonard's yeah, it is. yeah yeah I yeah, we love it. Um, I often go down and go through the winter as well. Um, and it's just a sort of sharp shock. It's a good kind of um, neutraliser. It's it's one of those things that you go in a cold sea and and kind of whatever else happens in the day, you've kind of had quite a good day. You know, it's it's a wonderful elemental thing. Even St. Leonard's is, is actually quite a kind of urban seafront in a sense. You know, it's all built up, it's concrete, it's houses. Um, but even so, just sort of immersing your head in that water is a pretty um, extraordinary thing to be able to do daily. And even during the lockdown, um, you know, we've been able to do that as our, um, you know, allocated exercise. So it's been good. 
That's brilliant. And you and I'm sure you know Martin Parr's wife is a has has written book a book on sea swimming or has, exactly. Yeah. No, I've spoken yeah. to her a couple of times about her sea yeah. swimming and um yeah, lake swimming that she does. But um in fact we even have that book um in yeah. Goat Ledge, which is my husband's cafe down on, on the seafront. We have Susie's book. So uh-huh. come and browse that when you come visit one day. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. There is a there is a connection between photography and and sweet and sea swimming and um, but um, uh, yeah, and I know you things have been cancelled or postponed for you, but I know you've also been able to do things online. And that um, there's a there's a project that I saw mentioned in the Guardian that you're involved with as well, which I'm I'm keen. There's there's a lot of things I'm keen to ask you about because we only seem to catch up every couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you've you've done so many brilliant and interesting things since since you exhibited here at Stills in. Uh, 20 it was the end of 2014 wasn't it that we opened it, it, well actually I think it was the very end of 2013 I think oh I have to check that because obviously it was the centenary year that's right the it, part of the 14 the end of 13 or maybe I'm wrong oh I can't I think, quite it, I think it was 14 I think was it, it I think it was November 2014 oh, it must <laughs> have been quite right so, yeah you're right well yeah. done but um but uh yeah so, so starting sort of now I wondered I'd, perhaps you're not able to say much more about it at the moment but I read in the Guardian that you are involved in a historic England project it's part yeah. of this yeah can you say anything about that yeah well it's it was um it was it was a funny thing really because I was asked to um, make some work around the coronavirus by Historic England um, which and it was it was a very particular commission it was saying we are going to ask um, 10 photographers to take photographs one photograph a day for five days um, in their kind of local area so it had to be 500 meters from home and it had to be if you unless you're photographing within your home had to be within this hour of exercise so it was very specific and um, and you know really the absolute opposite way that I normally work which would be to kind of do quite a lot of research um you know maybe visit places many times before I started making work um and and you know many of my projects evolve over over years and months so I mean months and years rather um so so taking it on was I was quite unsure but I also thought it was a moment to to make work but also to be resourceful you know that's what us artists photographers are meant to to be is resourceful and adapt with changing times. So I thought, right, okay, I need to go out, start making these pictures. And I um, decided to make work in, in a place called Bottle Alley, which is just um, near my home. It's a lower promenade, um, which is very unusual on, in seaside towns, but it's this very kind of specific, elegant, well, I suppose sort of concrete elegance um, space, which has a very, very clear distinction between kind of indoor and outdoor because it's right on the seafront. You've got these big, it's like a colonnade almost. Um, and, um, and, and so I was photographing there, trying to make pictures, thinking about that relationship, also the relationship with the sea. I think, you know, so many people have talked to me about, oh, you're so lucky being near the sea during this time. And I think, you know, trying trying to make some work about that relationship between the sort of great outdoors and then the kind of the darker um sort of um you know confinements um of of you know the built the built environment Mm -hmm. um and it was tricky you know it was really tricky going there and every day trying to make 
an interesting picture. I mean, it's, it's, it was hard and I can't say that I felt entirely pleased with it. You know, I felt pleased with being out making work and coming up with something, but, um, you know, it's difficult to put work out into the world that you don't feel is completely resolved, which I don't think this is, you know, but hope, perhaps it's a beginning point. And it also, you know, I think it's a, it's wonderful kind of exercise for your creative brain, these kinds of projects. Um, and so I was really thankful for that. And of course, the other thing is any form of commission at this moment, you know, is something I'm also really grateful for because it's, it, it's been interesting seeing different, organizational bodies institutions arts institutions you know understanding how how difficult it's going to be for artists to make a living and therefore you know coming up with ways of of commissioning people whether it be very small commissions or or larger scale ones so i was very sort of appreciative for that as well um so yeah i think that that kind of yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> does the work you've made go into the historic england archive it does yeah. yeah it goes into the archive with the other 10 artists and then we've also done a public call out um which um i was also part of selecting some of those pictures um and so i think in total there's 200 images that will go into the historic england archive uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah so that's um because one of the questions i was going to ask you which i've asked other people is about photography and and what you think it photography can do for us at this time and and indeed what we can do for photography and I suppose that's quite a um, a specific example of how photography can be useful at a time like this hmm yeah of course the the, the kind of very simple kind of documentation of this time um, but also I think in terms of what what it can do for us you know it's such a it's such an amazing kind of way to focus one's thoughts or you know it's a way of looking but also a way to 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 express oneself and try and formulate one's thoughts or or, or sort of distill one's feelings about about this time and it's a kind of productive way of doing that rather than just a sort of inward looking um kind of um um, process is about making something and then offering it up into the world and that being an incredibly important tool for communication which is what we're all kind of you know um, lusting for in this time when the kind of physical that you know you're only really communicating one-on-one -on -one or physically with you know your your close family who you're living with so so yeah it offers a really important tool for communication I think um, yeah and and the, your commission for historic England is quite different, I suppose, um, for you in that you looking back at your sort of recent projects, or at least the ones over the last sort of five or six years, you um, well, including Shot at Dawn, the, the work that was shown at Stills, you you seem to, as you briefly mentioned already, you you tend to spend quite a long period of time working on projects. Mm. In some cases, a number of years, I think, and you also demonstrate this real interest in history and a sort of respect for historical precedents and perhaps holding a, a contemporary mirror up to those, yes. in, in, those incidents and times. Is that, is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. And um, the, 
I mean, I suppose projects I'm thinking of, apart from Shot at Dawn, are In Search of Frankenstein, which mm. I'm so pleased I managed to catch. I think it was the last day or very near the end of the, the exhibition at Impressions in Bradford. Yes. Um, how did that project come about? That came about through a residency that I was um, given by the 3D Foundation in Verbier in Switzerland, um, who are a great um, organisation, um, quite small but really ambitious in what they do and they normally invite sculptors or they had invited sculptors up to that time to this part of Switzerland to make work and they they thought oh we'll you know try a photographer and ask me ask me to come out and um, yeah as 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 you said you know often I'm really interested in the history of landscape and that becomes a kind of jumping off point to to explore other ideas and um and I came across um, the fact that, you know, Mary Shelley had written Frankenstein in, in the kind of Geneva area. Um, I was particularly interested because of the fact that when I was looking into her, the local history of this specific area in Verbier, um, it had suffered particularly um, um, tragically from the year without summer, the, the year when there was a ash cloud that has exploded um, in Indonesia. <clears throat> a rather a um, volcano had exploded in Indonesia and created this huge dust cloud which created these extraordinary weather conditions for that year which meant it was incessant rain and um, you know crop failure which led to mass migration starvation it was this you know semi-apocalyptic moment and um, in history um, and it was at that time that Mary Shelley and Lord Byron and Percy Shelley, Robert Polidori, their circle of romantic poets, were all out in um, trying to have a summer holiday in Lake Geneva, um, but ended up being really indoors day after day because of this bad weather. And then Lord Byron famously uh, challenged them all to write a ghost story. And, and, the, um, and the story of Frankenstein came out of that. And so I was interested really in, in, in that history of, of that work being created in that landscape and being inspired by that landscape, but then going to the contemporary landscape and using the book to really kind of bring up certain issues that I felt were important to do with climate change. Um, and I sp you know, the classic ideas of what Frankenstein, man messing with, with science or pushing science and the sort of ego driven um, thirst for knowledge and, and kind of um, forward, uh, what would you say? Um, um, <clears throat> ego driven um, lust for, for sort of being the first one to do something. Um, and, and, you know, then also coming across all of these nuclear bunkers in Switzerland, um, where, where, which were all created in 1960s um, to, to house or, you know, protect the whole population. There's enough capacity for the whole population of Switzerland to go underground. So that felt like this kind of perfect, um, you know, um, manifestation of, 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 you know, what happens in those same sort of circumstances I was, I was explaining. So I was using those two landscapes, the exterior, um, very fragile, natural environment, um, then juxtaposed with these very um, kind of robust, man-made, colourful um, interiors. Um, and that's really, yeah, how the, how the work came about, was spending time out in Switzerland and then back in London looking at the manuscript and kind of grappling with that and then trying to involve that also in the pictures. Yes, that, that, that seemed important to you. Um, certainly looking at the, the publication um, that you made and remembering visiting the exhibition, the 
your sort of bringing to light of the manuscript and seeing Mary Shelley's handwriting. Yes. It seemed like a very important part of the exhibition to you. The, the, yeah, because really the, 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 the project is about the writing of Frankenstein. You know, it's not just about, it's, you know, the Frankenstein has gone on to mean so many things to different people and be yeah. repurposed and reenacted and, you know, endless graphic novels, films, theatre productions, everything, you know. So it was about, you know, really focusing on that moment of creativity and kind of this extraordinary, um, you know, work of art coming out of the, of this of this um, time in Switzerland and in relation to that landscape, and um, and you know, trying you know, looking at this extraordinary manuscript which was written by an eighteen-year-old. You know, we forget yeah. it was yeah. it was yeah. written by someone who's eighteen years old, and um, you know, seeing this this wonderfully you know vigorous, scratchy um script you know then with percy shelley's writings in the margins and certain things crossed out and there's something so intoxicating about you know seeing someone's ideas overflowing onto a page or kind of you know evolving into a book and i think that's what i was really excited by and then so lucky to be able to reproduce reproduce these manuscript pages for um for my book um and interested also how you know um the text in that case becomes an image you know it kind of it, it it fluctuates between something that you read and then it becomes an image that you read i suppose mm -hmm. um yeah. yeah your your interest in sort of shedding light on historic moments mm -hmm. and episodes is there are you is there something about um a feeling that certain you undertake a period of research you discover certain facts or pick up certain bits of information and then feel that they deserve greater attention that somehow they've been overlooked is that is that behind some of the projects you've done i suppose i'm thinking of shot at dawn and how it um concentrated on the sites of execution of soldiers for cowardice and desertion um something that's much lesser known um a, a lesser known aspect of war um, yeah is, is is that something you're interesting kind of drawing people drawing people's attention to to moments that have perhaps been a bit overlooked yeah absolutely and i think that um what's quite interesting is that moments certain moments in history um become more relevant at later moments in mm. what becomes history you know there's these sort of cycles of um certain things becoming more relevant again or more useful to think about in order to reflect on now um i think with shot at dawn particularly you know there was there was a lot of work being made around centenary and this also came out of a commission and as i'm sure i you know spoke to you about before you know when we had the show at stills um you know i did have a real um sort of resistance to um, making work about World War One when there would be a lot of stuff out there and maybe a lot of kind of repetition and same old stuff coming out. And so it did feel like I needed to, I needed the contribution to feel worthwhile by being something that was less known about. And, you know, I, I felt like it was a really important moment to reflect on, on things that had, things that had been edited out of the history. Um, rather than just going over the same old stuff. So, 
you know, although many people knew about a certain amount about what had happened, um, those people who were executed for cowardice and desertion, I certainly knew nothing about it when I first, um, you know, got onto the subject. And, and I think there hadn't been any visual um, responses to that, that um, moment in history either. And I think, so I hope, you know, by really spending all that time, you know, finding this information and then finding my way to the exact spaces and then photographing the same time of day, the same time of year, that that kind of um, energy and, and kind of seriousness, I suppose, mm -hmm. gave a kind of respect to those people who had been um, very much, um, you know, seen as, as outcasts, as, um, as degenerates, you know, um, and then also presenting it, as I said, a hundred years later, you know, the audience has changed so much to the people that would have, you know, lived a hundred years ago, how they would have perceived those kinds of actions of someone, you know, deserting or, you know, deciding that, they're completely exhausting and exhausted and not able to continue or having news from home which meant that they were in a complete state and they just they, they weren't thinking straight that morning you know who knows what all these different stories and um, how they played out but um but yeah I felt um actually I've lost my thread what was I saying uh I've slightly lost my thread but yeah oh yes no I was saying that you know what was interesting was that you know a hundred years later these people are seen as as victims of 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 warfare and so by presenting information the same information a hundred years later it had a totally different reaction um and and it falls on different ears i suppose which is what's quite interesting about representing historical fact and i mean now when you you know when you say about my um response to coronavirus this is why i say sort of you know um loathe in a way to to let out any image making that i was making you know during that 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 commission because in a sense you know it's still so close to everything we still it's so hard to have any perspective on what's happening um so yeah ask me in a hundred years and I'll, <laughs> I'll make a piece of work about it yeah that's interesting i was talking to thomas whittle on another one of these um podcast episodes about about this issue you know we we're talking about what I mean what kinds of images um, people will want to look at from this time how not necessarily yeah. but films and so on and we we ended up talking about making a comparison with the second world war and saying well perhaps a, a, a good period of time will need to go by before people actually want to say look at an exhibition of photographs from the coronavirus mm. lockdown um, we just don't know um, yeah. Yeah, I can understand the feeling perhaps of, of being a bit kind of put on the spot by being asked to produce work, um, not only to react to this time, but also knowing that it's going into an archive. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It really is being noticed and, and kept um, for no. future information. Yeah, but no. I suppose what you realise is that many archives are made of things that Sure. people just happened to make that day or just did that day you know and it becomes part of an archive it becomes history but actually you know yeah. um that's right i think that's something i've always found interesting with museum collections is where the the say fine art collection overlaps with the social history collection um and somewhere in that overlap is something really interesting mm. uh, where you know a, a 
piece of fine art might be really interesting, but it might not have ever originally been made, uh, you know, to be um, sort of consumed as a, say, a painting on a wall or something. Absolutely. Yeah, but the but the fact that you know archives, um, people are institutions, organisations are collecting archives, are continuing to grow during this time is 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 undoubtedly very important. It is, yeah. And um, another flicking sort of forward slightly for you to another project um, that you undertook in the Caspian region. Mm. I mean, that's another example of. Um, an area of the world you've you've returned to a lot over yeah. a number of years and that's is is your work in the Caspian do you see that as a kind of ongoing project I know you produced a beautiful book a couple of years ago um, uh, on on that project but are you still going back and forth to that region and... I haven't been actually I haven't it has it has really ended now um not to say it won't you know I won't be able to go in the future but but I felt like making the book was a was a kind of a certain form of a full stop you know whether there's another sentence to come I don't know but no I, I think um yeah I, I it was a good five years of making work in that region and then um a long time putting the book together as well that as much as I would love to keep returning there there's actually other projects that are kind of um you know um exciting me and and taking up my time I suppose is it possible for you to summarise how that part of the world changed in the time you spent there between, I think, was it sort of 2010 to 2018 that you... Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, completely different. Um, you know, in some places it changed a lot, in some places it didn't change at all. But, I mean, most, most visibly, you know, in Baku and Azerbaijan, I mean it was just extraordinary the rate of change um in terms of you know uh the 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 architecture the the, the city just kind of blazing ahead you know when when i first went there um you know there was there is this kind of quite um yeah quite quite lovely um european inspired um architecture and center of the city but you know that was then you know I, I remember going on this one time and and just seeing these strange walls that were put up and it was because of um the eurovision song contest that they they, they had it had been deemed that you know um we need to sort of cover up all the kind of crappy housing that's around and so there were these strange walls that were constructed in front of all of the um um you know um in front of the crappy housing that had a kind of classical vibe to them but mm. also they were just um all the soviet blocks were being covered with neoclassical kind of facades as well it was really strange anyway um so i think you know in baku it was so it was it was so um clear how much how quickly things were changing um due to the oil wealth and then the kind of political agenda as well there yeah and and um, bring things back to the present day. I wondered, do you have any thoughts about what will be sort of changed or even lost at the during the time we're in, and um, you know, in terms of how how things are going to be when we come out of the lockdown, and how things might have changed. I think, as as I was kind of saying 
at the beginning I think it's just so hard to know because I think it if if we're at the end of the lockdown now I can respond but it seems to me that there's going to be this slow sort of unlocking and then maybe it will you know re re-emerge again and so I think that our responses to what's been happening has changed already within a couple of months you know at the beginning there was this kind of excitement and urgency and then followed by a kind of boredom and 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 perhaps sort of um sort of laziness towards towards you know what we're meant to be doing i don't know this it, i i just feel like it's change it changes so much all the time that i feel like it's hard to know what will change um in terms of our behavior um quite yet so yeah. sorry that's a bit of a no no a no it's a that question <laughs> it's not it's not an easy question to answer yeah and um i'm curious to know too what you might have been looking at or reading watching um mm. in terms of sort of cultural reference points since since we've been in the lockdown and if there's anything you would sort of recommend to people mm. well i on the subject of frankenstein i enjoyed those the national theater have do these you know um live. video versions and so they do the nt live which is now called nt at home and then um, they did frankenstein which i really enjoyed watching both versions because they had one version with johnny lee miller as the creature and one version with um bendit Cumberbatch Cumberbatch as the creature and they swapped roles during the kind of run of the of the um theatre production but i ended up just putting both up at the same time and watching them together and that was kind of wonderful um but yeah there's so much that's been that's been um made available to us at home which you know contemporary art society have done some really nice um artist videos i enjoyed one by ben rivers uh, or origin of the species and what's quite nice about like with nt at home and and various kind of artist films becoming available is the sort of short time that they are available for so there's still this kind of sense of event or needing to you know put other things aside and watch this thing because otherwise it's going to become unavailable so I've quite enjoyed that and rigging up a, a a funny old kind of slightly I suppose sort of 80s uh projection screen at home um with a projector and and kind of yeah enjoying the event of it despite um being being just in the sitting room and where I'm spending majority of my time at the moment um, also I was thinking um, the approach um, had a show of uh, Sarah Swinar um, who's a really interesting artist and so I was able to watch some of her films so yeah and, and I think artists are often quite cautious about sharing their video work um, online and not showing it in kind of gallery um, conditions or whatever very specific kind of situation they want to show it in and I think people have become much freer about showing their work you know in in different circumstances and I think that's been really nice um, yeah yeah and and do you I know um, I managed to catch a bit of a um, Instagram live um, conversation you had with your Caspian publisher um, exactly. have, you got, yeah. have you got anything else is there anything else coming out um, with you that people can tune into in the next few yeah, weeks? I'm doing um, a talk about my work for the Roth Photographic Society and that's next Saturday um, 
yeah it's next saturday the 23rd and i'm doing another couple of podcasts um and um yeah i think i think that's basically it the rps talk is that an instagram thing or a facebook live or it's a zoom thing so i think you just have to it's actually two pounds for non-members it's free for members and then two pounds otherwise and i mean this is quite an interesting thing how how you know going forward everything's was was free at the beginning and then you sort of you know when when this becomes the normal then what do you do you know which is has always been the issue with the internet hasn't it but it's like how does how does everyone make a living which is quite um a big a big issue at the moment um and you know there's various grants and things around but um you know it's also i suppose coming back to what you were asking about what photography can do for us i suppose it's also acknowledging what photography can't do for us and i think for me this time has also been trying not to put not to just think everything has to come through my work but actually practically how can I be useful as well and you know signing up to for example this NHS responders scheme which um you know you know we all feel in a crisis like this you you see the people in the NHS or people working at you know supermarkets and stuff and then here you are with your camera and you think really you know what's what's my role in this and I suppose I'm I suppose I'm trying to say that it's been a useful time to realize that not everything has to come through my camera sometimes you can put that aside and and try and be more practically um, engaged and useful and sometimes you're able to really combine the two which is also wonderful so yeah um, yeah. yeah perhaps it's a time to use the less of the photography that you can offer and more of the photographer that you are it's like yeah. you know the, the 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 skills you have as someone that is a photographer or an artist you know are you know so yeah yeah rather things other than just the you know the 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 the, the, the taking of a picture or something like that yeah um, yeah i think artists have been just incredibly um resourceful and you know there's been so much i know it will be down to the, the particular people that i follow on social media and stuff but there's been so much out there and so yeah, what what have you been enjoying seeing oh uh, uh thanks for asking uh <laughs> 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 prepared to answer a question um well i mean uh, just to, to plug my last episode i suppose oh you know thomas whipple who's an artist based in in leith in edinburgh has been mm. putting a lot of his work on instagram and selling you know re really lovely drawings for um with 100 percent profits going to leith food bank and i think that you know that's an example of of a of a brilliant initiative and yeah it's there have been um amazing opportunities to collect work um, yeah 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 um but like you say that may well run out of out of steam when mm -hmm. time comes when you know work needs to be um uh you, you know sort of revalued and prices need to go up I and mean, we need to remember that artists um aren't there to be giving away work or selling it extremely yeah but um we do have to support them i mean uh, yeah it's incredibly important for artists to be supported at this time and and i suppose an organization like stills is somewhere that can offer that kind of support in different ways but yeah. we're we're learning to you know what 
what it is that people are going to want to see in the future, what kind of organization they're going to want us to be and how we do exhibitions and courses and all that kind of thing. Um, thanks for asking me a question. I got <laughs> busted there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well that's... Do, and you can do one, one podcast where you just ask yourself all those questions <laughs> and you can ask them. <laughs> That'll be the final one. <laughs> Oh, Chloe, it's been brilliant to talk to you. Um, and I really appreciate your time because I know you're super busy and, and you've, you know, you've got a new baby apart from anything else and, and an appointment with, with the sea, I'm sure. If you, or, or is that the morning thing? Do you do that very early in the morning? No, I do it generally at high tide. So that changes throughout the day. So I would have gone a bit earlier today, this morning, but I might have missed my opportunity i might go after lunch instead we'll see but um yeah. and actually the other thing we've been doing is going to local woods which has just been amazing just exploring the least kind of um salubrious looking ones from the outside but going in and at this moment of spring just for it just discovering these just enchanted spaces so and that has actually now led towards uh, a new body of work that i'm starting as well so yeah has it been a big because you've you moved to St Leonard's on Sea, what about five or six years ago? Yeah, yeah. London has that has that been really important to your work and and your ability to, you know, make work? And it sounds like it's been a really crucial move for you. It has because it's um it's enabled a different pattern of life and it's enabled me to have um a lovely studio which I wasn't able to afford in London and um you know, to both have a distance and a connection with London, I think has been great. Um, and I think, you know, I suppose tracking back to wondering what will change after all this as well, mm. you know, this question of people leaving the big cities, I wonder how much, how much it will change the way that we perceive city living. And, you know, that, you know, for so many years, that's been the kind of, you know where people have wanted to be as the kind of where all the action's happening but now i think you know a lot of people even within my kind of photography art circle so many people are talking about wanting to move you know wanting to move to the seaside to somewhere less urban um abroad i don't know but there is i suppose that's a restlessness that's sort of typical of, of being caged in your place you want the grass is greener you want something else but i think it will make really re people reconsider um city versus town versus village versus rural living you know yeah i think that's true and in doing so perhaps it will it will create much even greater respect for the environment and all the, the you know the 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 positives that that people are talking about in terms of the environment well the opportunity that we have to make these sort of step changes maybe they will more likely to happen if people start to appreciate um, those spaces more. Yeah, I really hope so. Yeah. Well, that's quite a positive note to to <laughs> round things. Up on. Don't say anything bad. Leave it off. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Happy days. <laughs> Chloe, thank you so much for speaking to me, and good luck with you, all your projects. And I hope it's not um, two years before our next. Next yes. time with you. Thank you so much, Ben. Lovely and to speak to you. Lovely, and, lovely and yeah, speak to you again very soon. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye.